Welcome again to another episode of the Midweek Show. And uh, we got changed the name again. I am Ryan. I'm joined by Stacy. And um, Stacy, your teams have had so much bad luck. So much bad luck. Um, we're going to first talk about this weekend and the game and just what in the world happened at the end. Because that final play, Stacy, that right there is a fireable offense if you're a head coach. And Mike McCarthy should not have a job today. He should. Because there is no way in the world you call a quarterback draw with 14 seconds left in the game. There's no, there's no way. And Mike, either Mike McCarthy or Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore uh, apparently is uh, interviewing for some jobs. But, Quite a few jobs. <laughs> but, and here's the ironic thing. I'm two years older than Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore is two years old, younger than me. Like, dude is not, I would, would have never guessed that he was 33. He's about to be 34. And he's um, two years younger than me. And I don't even look my age. But when you work in Dallas, you're stressed out to the max. Well, I, you know, as a Cowboys fan, I, first of all, I'm not shocked. I knew something was going to happen. I just didn't know what. I figured I was accepting of the fact that they were going to get blown out. But for them to not, you know, to come back. And then to have two chances, not one chance, but two chances to win this game at the end and to still blow it, that's just that I wouldn't say that's luck, that's just poor ass coaching. I mean that I, mean, I agree. I don't understand how Mike McCarthy still sits and has a job to this day. And I'm not sure to be honest if he's going to have a job before it's all said and done. I think that uh I, I'm not and I told you this the other day. I said that if it was me. I would throw the general manager job and all the money I could at Sean Payton and beg him to come to Dallas because I think I honestly believe in my heart the Cowboys are one piece away of making the Super Bowl. I, I believe that, and I believe the problem is poor ass coaching. I would even take I would even take um uh, Dan Quinn. I think Dan. I mean, Marcus Spears said Monday that he believes, or either Tuesday that Dan Quinn should become coach of the Cowboys because he believes he brings more fire to their team. And I'm 100% for that. I don't want Mike McCarthy as our coach anymore. I'm ready for him to go and kill him more. He can go too. You know, I'm ready for them to leave. I think both of them will have jobs, but I think either one or two things is going to happen. Either Jerry Jones is going to fire Mike McCarthy and hire Sean Payton, or either he's going to fire Mike McCarthy and hire Dan Quinn and keep him on on the staff. And I'm leaning towards, I think he's going to keep Dan Quinn. You know, everybody, you know, you mentioned, you know, people mentioned um, Mike, Sean Payton, and um, Mike, Sean Payton and, and the Cowboys. And the reason why I say it may not happen, and in, 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 in if, I'm, if I'm the Cowboys, I'm throwing the, I'm throwing, I'm gonna throw, I, I would throw the book or throw 
as much money as possible at Sean Payton if I'm the Cowboys because he he could be the guy that could bring could bring um, stability and more importantly a potential at a champ a potential shot at a championship. But here's the reason why um, I don't think and I don't think Sean Payton should take this job and I think he will stay in New he will retire as, as Saints coach and here's why because here in New Orleans he has a hands off owner he has an owner that lets him make football decisions. Sean Payton would not have that in Dallas. I hate to say it, but Jerry Jones wants a coach that can that he can control. It's why Jason Garrett ass stayed as long as he did. It's why Bill Parcells got out of there when he did. It's why Wade Phillips didn't last that long. It's why he ran off Jimmy Johnson. He wants a coach that he can control. And if he can't control that coach, Stacy, he's not going to he's not going to have he's that coach is not going to be there long. That's the reason why I think that's the reason why Sean Payton going to the Cowboys will be a bad idea. You know, it's every year that we every year you hear this story about Sean Payton going to the Cowboys. And I tell people all the time, I say the reason why it would be a bad idea is because Jerry Jones will be doing everything in his power to get in his way. He needs, he wants to have the say in all the football decisions. Him going to, him going to Dallas, he would have to give up the control over football decisions. It's gotta, it's gonna be Jerry Jones and him making the decisions and making being the star of the franchise. The star of the franchise is not Amari Cooper or CD Lamb or Dak Prescott. It's Jerry Jones. And Jerry Jones is holding back. Jerry Jerry Jones, the general manager, is holding back and he has wasted Stacy. Think about this. He wasted so much so much talent in that city with the Cowboys. Well, I, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. And I think that's the thing. My theory in my head, my realistic theory is you're right, Sean Payton may not come to Dallas. I think it's going to take basically Jerry Jones dying before any of this happens, before the Cowboys win another championship, because like I said, this was so frustrating. The pieces are there. They're there to win a championship. They did, you know, they, they're, they're, I mean, the miracle thing is the Cowboys aren't drafting badly. They're getting the players. They just don't have the coach. Mike McCarthy ain't that dude, and, uh, you know, I, I thought we would be hard on him last year because, okay, Dak was hurting all this other stuff, so I gave him a pass. This year, there is no excuse, and I think the Cowboys even realize that there is no excuse for them to be in this position again and to lose like that. Like, Troy Aikman and all of them have come out and were saying, why wasn't Dak throwing more to C.D. Lamb? That's a good question. I mean, C.D. Lamb got targeted, like, once, I think. He got targeted like once. I mean, and like I said, um, there's no excuse for that. And it's like, and and I'm and my thing is, let me say this, and that's probably gonna shock some people. I am tired of Ezekiel Elliott. I think it's time for him to go. I ain't got no problem. I think they need to bring a new running back in there because he ain't that dude anymore. I don't think so. I think that I, you know, if I'm a Cowboy fan looking back, I wish we had taken Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, although got hurt this year. He was more doable, has been more doable, has been more reliable, 
has been the greater running back than Ezekiel Elliott. And I have no problem with letting Ezekiel Elliott leave. I have no problem at all with him, the Cowboys getting rid of him. But I'm just like, I think that it's going to take like an Al Davis type situation. Jerry's going to have to die before the Cowboys probably win another Super Bowl. And I'm basically convinced of that because I think you're absolutely right. He wants to be controlled. He has a who, what owner do you know in the league has their own show? Yeah, I, I mean, no, it. no, I mean, you, you, I mean, you really, when you look at like Gail Benson here in New Orleans, you do see her out and about, but you don't but see her. But she doesn't have her own show, does she? She doesn't have her I own mean, show at all. No, she doesn't have her That's own what show saying. at all. Jerry has to be that. And that was the main thing that why him and Jimmy Johnson never could get along because he wanted to be known as the architect of the 90s Cowboys and not Jimmy. Jimmy is always going to get get that uh, label as being the architect of the of the 90s Cowboys. And that still pisses Jerry off. And that's why him and Jimmy didn't get along. And basically, I agree with Troy Aikman, Emma Smith, and Michael Irvin have said over the years, had they sat there and just, you know, just basically let both of them let go of their egos, they could have won more um one more Super Bowl. They won a third. They could have, like somebody said, they could have won three in a row. And I agree with that. They could have went on and won a couple more Super Bowls. Probably. They could have won four in a row. I mean, they, probably, they, they, they were won. that good. Yeah. I mean, they could have won four in a row. Like, that's the thing that it was like, that's the thing that Jerry Jones screwed up and he bungled that so badly. Uh, he bungled that and and, and he, he bungled it. it. It's the thing oh, is. No doubt. It's the thing is like everybody always talks about well, um, well Jerry, you know Sean Payton is going to go to he's not going to go to Dallas. Who wants to go to Dallas? Like, would you want to go to a situation where you're going to be not where you're not going to be in control? No, you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to breathe or anything of that nature. And the thing about it is the most if you had told somebody. 10 year old me back in 1995 1996 or in 97 if you had told me that the jacksonville jaguars and the carolina panthers would have been within one game of a super bowl more recently than um the dallas cowboys i would have laughed at you if you look at it since 1996 we're talking about in the big three sports hockey doesn't count okay hockey doesn't count ever since the cowboys last made an nfc champ a, a conference championship game since 1990 we started 1996-97 of the teams that have not made a conference championship or a league championship or a um a, a league championship or a uh, what's the what's the what's the uh, or a conference championship in basketball, conference championship in basketball in the big three sports. The Cowboys, the Lions, Washington, the Cincinnati Reds, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the New Orleans Pelicans, and I believe the Charlotte Hornets. Those are the only teams I believe that have not reached the the uh, the league semifinals. That's what they call the conference finals the league semifinals in their respective sports. And, and, and like I said, as a Cowboys fan, it's just frustrating because you know 
when you see throughout the year when the Cowboys were really on it, they were pretty. They were the best team in the NFC when they were on their shit, which was few and far between. It's like they were schizophrenic all year, and but it just it bothers me so much because it's one thing to lose. You can you can get over losing. You play hard and you lose the game. It's one thing when you you lose basically because of your own damn mistakes. And we can't sit there and just say, oh, well, it was because of this last play and the rest. No, it was because of lousy play calling and then 14 penalties. And I wrote this the other day about Jimmy Johnson. I said, Jimmy Johnson, no, I wrote this today, matter of fact. Jimmy Johnson was the type of dude, first of all, the Cowboys never would have lost that game if he was coaching. Second of all, if we did, all these penalties, these dudes would be cut. You know, I don't know if you old enough to remember. The story. I, I'm old enough Jimmy to remember. Johnson did not remember play that I'm shit. Older, I'm old enough to remember gone. Jimmy Johnson. I'm, I'm old enough to remember Jimmy Johnson. I'm old they enough. They got him and Troy Aikman and you know love Jimmy because they thought the same way. Jimmy did not play, and he would cut your ass. It didn't matter who you were. If you, I mean, he left Michael Irvin on the tarmac one time, but Michael didn't get to the plane. He didn't care. That's who he was. That's the kind of coach the Cowboys need. I believe they really, and I really believe that they want that. I think Dak Nam, I think, I think they want somebody who's more of a disciplinary, who's going to get have their shit together. And it's not Mike McCarthy. And like I said, I truly believe Jerry is waiting. I still believe at some point they're going to fire him. It's going to, it's going to come out the blue. Where I'll be like, oh my God, he fired him. Because yeah, he's letting Quinn and he's letting, um, What's his face? Uh, uh, Kellen Moore interview, but I think in the end, I really believe Mike McCartney will not have a job in a couple of weeks from now. When Super Bowl time comes around, I think the Cowboys will be looking for a new head coach. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if if they if they fired him today. If they fired him after the Super Bowl, I would not be surprised. I, I, I mean, I'm not shocked. And, and I think, and I think the thing is, I think the thing is, it's just so frustrating because. You know, today is three years to the day of the no call that happened here in New Orleans. And, you know, I shared my thoughts about that game. And I said, you know, yes, Drew threw a backbreaking interception. But the thing is, we would never have been in that situation if they had gotten that call right. We, you, I can sit here and say, yes, we shouldn't have been in that situation. And yes, the reps should have not, should have, should have thrown that flag. Because how do you not do that in a game with this much magnitude? You know, I can sit here and say that. And I also can sit here and say, in the case of the, of the Cowboys, and in the case of what happened Sunday, this team was sleepwalking and oh, yeah. when they were sleepwalking, and also I also said this, I also thought about this. The 49ers had nothing to lose because nope. they had to they they had to win, they had to play, they had to get there, and they had to rely on a lot of help to get to the playoffs. So they had nothing to lose. And the thing about it is, uh, one thing, Stacey, before we go on, um. Kyle Shanahan, when he took the job at um, at, uh, at, at, at at San Francisco, when he took that job, they went to the museum 
um, George Kittle talked about it. And he and Cal Shanahan wanted those players because you you know Cal Shanahan grew up in San Francisco. He remembers when his dad was the you know was an assistant with those teams, and he took those guys to the team museum to say, "Hey, look, you can make your own legacy, your own legacy, just like the guys that came before you." Like there's a respect. And there's a, a respect for the culture that was built before those guys got there. I don't think Mike McCarthy has an understanding of the Cowboys culture or what was built before he got there. I don't think he has that understanding. And I don't think the team has that understanding now. The play, the current players, that is. I agree with that. And I, like I said, that I think that, you know, they need, I wish, I was watching the U, you know, the documentary on the University of Miami. That's one of my favorite 30 for 30s. Oh, yeah, uh, that's also one of mine as well. I love it. I do, too. And one of the things I loved about it was the they were saying the players that the, you know, some of the old players like Michael Irvin then would get on to the new players when they play like shit. Like, you know, this ain't us. This ain't, and I wish that Irving and Emmett and... And Troy would go some of these guys and say, do you guys have any problems? you know what wearing that star means? Because I don't think they know what it means. Rock Stop is still very much alive and very, you know, that, you know, Drew Tony Pearson, Dorsett and, too, a lot of, those, yeah, guys, a lot of, of those old school guys are still there and they're still alive. Those stories are still there. And I think the thing that I think with what Michael Irvin had talked about, you know, and when, you know, when we were talking about like the vaccine and stuff, and he was talking about how um, Amari Cooper wasn't vaccinated. And he said, look, you're being selfish. You're denying this team a shot at a championship. And I don't think Amari Cooper and a lot of those guys have an understanding of what it takes to be a Dallas Cowboy. I really don't think they have that understanding. They don't. The, what bothers me is a lot of them don't care. It's like you're carrying on a legacy. I mean... It, like I said, it hurts being a Cowboy fan. It really does. And I mean, I love my team to death. And I meant when I said, can anybody say anything cross to me, I was going to cut everybody off because I'm like, I wasn't in the mood. I was so upset and disappointed, and disappointed by their play. But it means so much. I've been a Cowboys fan since the 70s. So I am a ride or die Cowboys fan. I did not become a Cowboys fan when they started to become good again in the 90s. I've been riding with the Cowboys since Roger Starbuck. I'm 50 years old now. So I go way, way back. So it hurts to sit there and see this team with so much tradition be, I won't say bad, but be basically living, you know, below average and seeing other teams continue to move up. And we're like, what the hell is this? And and a lot of it I blame on ownership because Jerry Jones, I agree, refuses to put his ego aside because Jerry Jones today put his ego aside and said, listen, I'm no longer GM. I'm letting my son run it. I or either said the next coach of the Cowboys, like I said, Champagne, Don Coy, whatever, I'm going to let them run it. I'm going to sit back and just be the owner and enjoy myself, the owner emeritus or whatever he wants to do. This organization is going to be better off, but he refuses to do it. And until he does, we're going to be in the same spot probably this time next year making the playoffs and then losing the first round in some crazy way. I've just come to accept that. Once you accept things, Stacy, life is so much easier. 
it's so much easier. It's like I had to accept the fact where like that no call last year and people always say, well, us fans were, um, us fans were, we were complaining for, uh, uh, for a year or so. The most damning thing and the thing that basically solidified everyone's belief about the NFL when it comes to the Saints is that we have finished, we have finished dead last, like at the bottom. And, and, and this is uh, from what Mike Triplett had said, um, has tweeted this yesterday. Over the past four years, they had ranked, the Saints have ranked 30th, 31st, and 32nd and tied for last in penalties called against their opponents. And this is something that had been, uh, that was said, that was not, this is not opinion. This is basically uh, statistics right here. These are statistics. And the thing that I believe in terms of, in, in terms of the, uh, in terms of what happened, um, what happened three years ago, Stacy, is that when you go up against the NFL, they make an example out of you. If you question referee uh, the uh, the integrity of referees, if you uh, question anything in the NFL, the NFL will do everything in their power to make an example of you. That is why you will never see Jerry Jones criticize the refs um, the same way that Sean Payton did, because they know he knows that they will make an example out of. Uh, out of out of the Cowboys, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. The thing, and I know we're you know I know we're way off topic here. The thing that makes me so mad about that game three years ago is that in 25, I've covered sports for 25 years, Stacy. The image of my friend Bernard looking like a zombie. I literally thought this guy was going to kill himself after the game. And I talked to his now girlfriend. I said to his girlfriend, whatever you do, do not let him be by himself tonight. I told him, I told her that because I literally thought the guy was going to kill himself. I literally thought he was going to kill himself. And I, I remember, and hold on, hold on. I also think I also never told you this story and I'll shut up and I'll let you talk. I had ran went to go look for Bill Vinkovich after that game. I went looking for the reps. I was on my bike on Laola and Paradio, uh, Perdido. It's right by city. It's right where city hall is here in New Orleans. I went looking for the reps after that game. I was drunk. I was pissed. I was ready to fight somebody. I wanted to go find the reps that night, that day. Um, I took off on Laola Avenue, went to Gerard, made it a right onto Gerard, and I was going to go look for the reps myself. And I told someone, look, anybody, if I go to jail, please get me, please, I will tweet out my cash app if I'm arrested. I will tweet out my cash app, my Venmo, and my PayPal. 
so I can get some bail money to get out of jail. But I literally was going to go and beat the crap out of Bill Vinkovich that night. I was that fucking pissed. And I can sit here and say that the ref screwed the Saints. In the case of the Cowboys, it was all of the, everything that you said and how the way the way that they played, it was the, the, all of that stuff was recipes for disaster. Well, I um like I was saying that I know uh, when the care, and I still think Des Bryant made that catch. Don't get me wrong. I'm still. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, he did because he he did because he like I remember, I remember when that happened, and I'm like, you cannot sit here and tell me that uh, he didn't make that catch. Even I knew he made that catch. You know, yes, cowboy fans are annoying, but. Cowboy fans can be annoying, but even I knew he made that catch. I mean, and it was a damn good throw that Romo made. Yeah. And I remember being like, and I remember being like, okay, he didn't lose control of the ball. He didn't lose control of the ball. He kept control of the ball. And I remember like being, I was at Young Avenue Deli in Memphis. And this was the year that you guys beat the Lions when uh, in the playoffs. Um, and that was a bad. That was a bad call for the Lions because that's probably how we got screwed in the in the Green Bay day. Because I think that was the same year. Or yeah, it like was a, the same year. It was the same. Yeah, year. yeah. So it was like it was almost like the NFL got us back for that. So it was like, ha, we got you. Oh yeah. So what I'm saying here, what I'm saying here, is that I was in Young Avenue Deli. Um, replaying the thing and telling people, I say, Dez caught that ball. I thought he caught it because I'm like, there's no way in the world he lost control of the ball. It didn't come out of his hands. And when they called, when they said it was a, it was no catch, I was like, wow. And and I always believed that right there changed the dynamics of. The, of, of the franchise that game right there it changed the dynamics of the franchise i think and it, it changed totally the le- it, it, it altered the legacy of, of tony romo oh yeah tony romo is gonna make a is gonna make the hall of fame but probably as a broadcaster <laughs> that's the ironic thing yeah romo he, he'll, he'll get in as a he'll get in he'll get in as a broadcaster i think i can see him getting in as a broadcaster i totally um, see that happening you know, it's not going to be like with Troy Aikman. Like, Troy Aikman was, like, one of the youngest to get inducted. Like, there's a generation of kids that don't know Troy Aikman, the player. There's kids that know him. as There's kids that know Troy and Joe. Troy and Joe. You know, right. it's so like Pat and John for my generation and your generation. These kids coming up now, they were raised on Troy and Joe. They weren't raised on Pat and John. And it's ironic, as hard as it is to imagine, Joe Buck is in the is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Him and and Jack Buck are the two are the only father and son to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. In the and Pro I think Football people come down come down way too hard on Joe. I think Joe's a really good announcer. Joe's a really good announcer. I mean, when I think of the voice of baseball for my life, for my generation, it's Joe Buck. I mean, it's right. Joe Buck. 
you know, there's John Miller and, and, and Joe Buck, but it's really Joe Buck because, you know, the call he had when, when we beat the, uh, the Rangers in 2011, I mean, it was perfect. Um, the, the, uh, the 1998 season with Mark McGuire, um, I think of him the same way that people thought of his dad. And it's going to be hard to imagine that in June, it'll be 20 years since his dad died. His dad died, uh, his dad, his dad died right when I was in, I think 11th grade, I was in 11th grade when his, his dad died. And I remember the game that the day that he died was the same day that Daryl Kyle got his last victory as a player. And Daryl Kyle oh. died that very next Saturday. It was June 27th. It was June 28th, 2002. I was going to a place that sold these good ass burgers on Mill Branch and Shelby Drive. And I had my throwback Cardinals jersey on. And I walked into uh, this restaurant on Mill Branch to get me a burger. And Joe Girardi, who, of course, is now the Phillies manager, well, he basically said that there was a tragedy in the Cardinals family. And it was Daryl Cow that died. And this was the same year. This was the same year. Um, what else happened that year? It was the same year that the Oakland A's went on that 20 game winning streak and they still didn't make it to the motherfucking World Series. But again, you know, when I think of baseball, when I think of pro football, I think of Joe Buck. Like he is basically the voice of my generation. So I don't really have any, you know, any bad feelings about Joe Buck because I grew up listening to Joe Buck with, with the Cardinals and with baseball and with football, you know. He's not his dad and nobody can be his dad, you know, but he did something, you know, he, I, I see him in the same light that most people see Dale Earnhardt Jr. Like both of them followed their dad's footsteps and made a name for themselves. And that's very hard to do, you know, to make a name for yourself apart from your famous, from your famous dad, especially if you're a son. Well, I agree. I mean, I, like I said, I just think he unfairly gets criticized sometimes. Sometimes it's justified. Sometimes Joe will say something and you'll be like, huh? But for the most part, I think he, he's very good. And I think he gets unjustly criticized sometimes by fans. And I think a lot of it has to do with the belief that, oh, he doesn't like this particular team. This dude is, is, is from St. Louis. He's probably a Cardinals fan. He doesn't do Arizona Cardinal games, a lot of things like that. So I don't the criticism to me is unjust. People are just being douchebags. Anyway. I just think that most people complain to just complain. It's just, that's just the way things are. People just complain to complain. And, you know, it's very hard to announce baseball games, football games, it, just sports in general. You know, it's even harder. Like I learned that, you know, announcing baseball games this this past, uh, th you know, this past year, um, with the um, with the People's Baseball League, and and I always like I what people don't realize 
is that I don't have like a monitor or anything to go by. I have to go by crowd noise. I have to go by um, crowd noise. I have to go by what the umpire sees and everything. I have to like those. Those are the things that I have to go by, and it's very hard. It's really hard to call a game, and you have because you have to really stay on point with everything you can't really have too many uh missteps if you're uh, an announcer but that being said stacy we're gonna shift gears and talk about something serious the voting rights act and why i finally have respect for mitch mcconnell stacy and here's why everything that everyone has said about him I re- he finally came out and showed his true fucking colors. And I remember I, uh, on Wednesday, I wrote a column about unreliable white alleys, right? And I said, look, just because you put a Black Lives Matter flag does not make you, uh, outside your house does not make you an alley. And I said, you want to know why I say this? I said this because Mitch McConnell mar- went to the March on Washington. Think about that. Just think about what I just said, Stacey. He went to the March on Washington. It reminds me of the Bernie Sanders thing. That yeah, so all- yeah, it's the it's like the Bernie Sanders thing. <laughs> it's, the, it's like Bernie the same thing with Bernie Sanders. And he was like, "How dare those black people know what's best for them? Vote in record numbers and know what's best for them." If it was up to him. I would be, we, you and I would be both three fifths of a person. I mean, what he said today, he might as well, the, him saying basically that, because, you know, separating us from like real Americans, you're right. He just basically said what a lot of people feel and he just spoke up. Yeah. And I, and I respect him for that. I, I like, I respect, I totally respect him for that because he finally showed his whole ass. Oh, yeah. He finally he showed his whole ass because he didn't want the reason why a lot of things that Obama wanted uh, passed, he stonewalled it because he didn't want to take orders from a black man. Nope. They still don't want to take orders. They and they don't MVP either. <laughs> no, from MVP or from Biden. So I totally respect him for coming out and saying what the fuck he really felt. Yeah. I respect it. But I, 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 you and I both said this, and, and you and I both agree, and I know you agree with me on this. But the thing is, we gotta keep fighting. And yeah. I think the thing is the most important thing. There are people that there are people, black and white, that want voting rights, that believe in fair voting rights, and the reason why Republicans want to change the rules is because they cannot win without cheating. They can't win without cheating. They can't win without gerrymandering. You know, um, I remember looking at this um, thing from 1946. I think there were like, I want to say it was like maybe a thousand registered African-American voters in the state of Mississippi. And I think Mississippi, I think had maybe seven or eight hundred thousand African Americans living there. I wanna say I don't know I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, 
but there were some counties, like some of the largest counties in Mississippi had maybe 70 African-Americans voting in that entire, in that entire county, especially like Jackson, Mississippi and Gulfport and, and Biloxi. In Memphis, blacks got encouraged to vote, but they could not vote for the candidate of their choice. They had to vote for the Crump machine, the Crump machine vote. Mm -hmm. Uh, candidate. And if they didn't vote for the Crump machine candidate, those people got ran out of town or they got harassed, harassed or uh, ran out of town. Because it happened to um, the South's first black millionaire, Robert R. Church. His son criticized uh, Crump. And Crump decided to run his ass out of town. And guess what happens to the house that he had? It was this beautiful house on South Lauderdale, Lauderdale Street. The house got basically burned and they used his house as training for the Memphis Fire Department. <laughs> the, here's no. the thing, the guy, the, the, guy had, the guy had motherfucking money. He had money, but he was black and he went up against the crump machine. Well, I think, but like I said, you, you know, the big story this week has been what Nick Saban said and uh, trying to encourage Joe Manchin to support the voting rights act. And of course, it seems like Manchin has been unmoved by the whole situation. So uh, people, a lot of the Alabama fans, not all of them, but a handful of them. Of course, these are the same idiots who acted up um, a couple of years ago with the Black Lives Matter march by the players. They're leaving, they're leaving supposedly in droves again. And I said, and, and, and it's amazing. I think you saw this put the, saw me put this on my Twitter page, how on my timeline, how many of these people don't have a clue what the problem is. They're talking about every single person I've talked to who want to have this discussion. That, oh, well, you don't want people to have voter ID. I said, you don't have a clue what you're talking about. It's more than that. I said, it's not even really about voter ID. And I had to go down the list of things about what's really going on and, and, and talking about, you know, them wanting to end mail-in ballots and them closing um, voting precincts and having laws in Georgia where you can't give people water and food while they stand in line to vote. These kind of things are what's going on. And these people who want to have these arguments, and I said it to this lady, I said, you want to leave? Who cares? I mean, like, people like announcing like on a 747 flight, I'm leaving the University of Alabama because of Nick Saban is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but it just shows you the ignorance of this country. And somebody was saying we need to start teaching civics again because a lot of we people do. don't know. We really and a do. lot of people, we, I was taught civics in high school. You know, I, I'm not that far removed. I was, I was in high school in the 90s. You know, I mean, I learned, I, I didn't really learn, I took US government, but like the US government classes that I was in, they were mainly taught by like the co the football co like the assistant football coach. Right. But but I had a knowledge of what civics was. I had a knowledge of what civics was and everything. And it wasn't because of shit that I learned in, in school. It was mainly my own applied knowledge. And you know, my own applied knowledge. So it's like whenever I did get angry about something. I wasn't going to go and get pissed at the mayor. I'm like, okay, the city, the, um, I was like the, um, 
the uh the city council needs to do their job uh i was like the city council needs to do their job uh the legislative in, in nashville needs to do their job this that and the third i wasn't one of those idiots that got mad at the mayor when something didn't go right i knew who to get pissed at based on my own applied knowledge and what i read up uh you know that the thing about it is i think like you said somebody just said that they thank mitch mcconnell for getting people black people now to get out and vote i think now and i agree now, you know because everybody's focused and being on mad at joe and they're pissed off at Joe and this is not happening. I was like, first of all, the man hasn't even been in office but a year. I said, it's, They get you know, mad at the wrong thing. And it's they like, do. they get they mad do. at the wrong thing. And because... I think they got a slap of reality today from Mitch McConnell that they've seen, especially black folks. This man doesn't see us as Americans. That should piss you off more than the response to COVID wasn't enough in your eyes. The thing is, the, the thing is, I still think even even with all that was said and even with all that mitch mcconnell said motherfucking some black folks still gonna be pissed at joe biden because they see him they don't know who they wouldn't know who mitch mcconnell was if he walked down the street i'm dead serious you know they so it's easy to be mad at the figurehead and i and, and as i said we talked about this last week most people some of these folks they miss that the former guy because he gave them more money but they don't realize that it was an act of congress that got them that money but i, I think that that's but the thing about it is i think a lot of us it just goes back to like we were saying about civics we're not teaching it and people still have in their minds once you vote for president he's supposed to solve all our problems you have to vote for people in your state in your city in your county that's also going to try to help the president you can't just sit there and vote for president and think okay i've done my job he's supposed to fix all this stuff it's going to take years it's going to take past his first presidency to fix this shit if he can get it fixed we still have people walking around in this country who is truly convinced that this man is not the legitimate president. president. That, that Donald Trump is still president. And we're still fighting this battle. That's really what the battle is. Because the, the battle now, the battle now is misinformation and also uh, the the battle is about uh, uh, misinformation and also the fact of reality, reality, because people are not going to battle. People are not going to. Uh, there are some people that still don't want to call him president, but everyone, but those same people wanted us to to give respect to the former guy. I'm like, what has he done to earn our respect? Nothing. 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 And, they, and I think and back I to the thing, and, and, I, and I think back to what you were saying, you were talking about this, about Nick Saban. The, the thing that I believe that got Tom Herman fired was the comment that he made that we can root for these players on Saturdays, but we can't invite these kids into our homes on Sundays. 
or date our mm. daughters. Mm. I never heard that quote. No, no, no. Tom Herman said that. I think that quote right there is what got him fired at Texas because. And he, but he, but what lie did he tell? Because they were they were pissed off what last year before the season about seeing the eyes of Texas are upon you, and they said that a lot of black players and a lot of the black students didn't like singing that song because it's racist. And I always believed that right there got him fired because okay. Tom Hurt. Because the reason why I say it got him fired is because is because um is because he stood up for those players and people did not like that I, i'm i'm doing a podcast man somebody was bamming on the door they're going they better their ass gonna freeze um the thing was that tom herman went against the grain and said something that the boosters didn't like. And the boosters, the boosters uh, did not like that. And that's why he got fired. Because he didn't have a losing season. They went, they won four bowl games. They won, they finished in the top 25 uh, three out of three out of four years when he was at Texas. So how does that change? You win your bowl game and then you get fired. And I and and the more I think about it, and I think about what Nick Saban did, and I think about what Tom Herman did, I was like, Tom Herman got fired because he stood up for those players, and the boosters didn't like that. And when they hired Sarkeesian, they felt like they felt like Sarkeesian was going to make those players sing the eyes of Texas. And on top of that, on top of that, um, on, on, on top of that, he was going to do the boosters bidding, even though he's married to a black woman. Yep. Yeah, I think, like I said, that the thing about it is, like with Nick Saban, that's why Nick Saban could do what he wants to do, because they're not going to fire this man. No, they're, they're not, not going to fire him. They, they know, they know that once he said whatever he says whatever ever he does if he stands in solidarity with those players they're not going to do a damn thing to him hell no as long as he's winning he's probably the most powerful man in the state even more powerful than me he can do whatever the hell he wants to do and i'm glad that he is taking his you know his power and using it for good because that's what he that's what you're supposed to do when you're in a position of power you are supposed to use your power for good your privilege for good this man is in a privileged situation so he is supposed to be using his privilege to do good with and that and that is the issue is that you're and, supposed and, and to a lot of people don't like that a lot of people don't no. like that a lot of people don't like that's what i call real allyship because allyship is about education it's about educating yourself. It's about um, educating yourself and being a better person on a daily basis. It's not just, oh yeah, I'm gonna put up a Black Lives Matter flag, but then you're gonna tell me how to fucking feel when I criticize your Lord and Savior, Bernie Sanders. Like you're what? not a real alley. Like you're not a real alley if you say, if you do something like that. If you tell me how to fucking feel and tell me 
how to think, you're not an alley, you're a jackass. Well, I, but I said this before, and I don't know if you've seen this. I said that country fried good old boy shit ain't going to work no more. No. This is 2022. There are going to be more and more black athletes going to HBCUs because they're going to go somewhere where they feel like they are wanted. They're also going to go, like I said, people like Dabo Sweeney. I don't, I think Dabo Sweeney, if he does, excuse me, get it together in the next couple of years, if, if Clemson goes back to being Clemson, if he doesn't get his shit together in the next two or three years, he's going to be out because there are a lot of black athletes are not going to want to go. They're not going to want to go to, to, to Clemson, but that country fire stuff that don't work no more. That, 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 that stuff does not work anymore within, you know, uh, in college football is not working. Nick Saban is not a dumb man, but this is not somebody which I keep on reading people say, well, he's doing this to get the black players. No, Nick Saban has been an ally. Nick Saban builds houses for people uh, with habitat through habitat uh, uh, through habitat every time he wins a national championship. So there's about six brand new houses in Alabama because of Nick Saban. He also is on the committee to find more black head coaches in college football. He's on that committee. This dude helps out kids. I mean, He's the real deal, and that's the thing about it is he doesn't just and he supports you know uh, uh, wearing you know vaccinations and all this other stuff. I mean so, the same thing, and, and and the thing, and you see that with Lane, even with Lane Kiffin, you see that like you would never like Lane Kiffin was a big part, had a big part along with Colin Hill in um, uh, in uh, getting that 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 state flag changed in mississippi I, I agree you know and it's like people believe it's pandering it's pandering uh people believe it's pandering people believe it's oh yeah uh they just doing this stuff because they want to get these players i'm like dude if your head is still in the sand after the last two years then you are behind the eight ball Big time. Right. And I think the thing is, Nick Saban, his dad was like that. His dad yeah. took in uh, like this black kid and people gave him his dad hell for treating the black customers the same as he treated the white customers. And people did not yeah. like that. Um, so it's precedent. It's precedent. And I think back- in West Virginia, if you watch the I think it was the NFL thing they did. A football life. life. A, a football, football life. life. His best friend is black. He said that he said when his best friend is this black man in West Virginia. Said they've been friends, been playing football, whatever, since they were kids. And he said when you sick, Nick would call him every day, check up on him. He said that he loves him to death. Nick Saban to me is the real deal. And I think that's I, I always loved him. And, and the thing problem with. <laughs> and and the thing is, I never heard those kind of stories about Les Mouse and Baton Rouge. Never heard those kind of stories about Coach O in Baton Rouge. Um, I've heard some stories like that with Mark Rick. Uh, with, it's a few, play, a few coaches that are like that, that, um, that you hear stories about, but you see it a lot with Nick Saban. And as I said, um, being an alley means that you use whatever privilege you have 
to stand up for what is right. It's the same right. reason why, you know, a lot of people don't realize this. The reason why you see players like Josh Gibson and Satchel Paige and Cool Papa Bell in the Baseball Hall of Fame is because of what Ted Williams spoke about. Ted Williams used his privilege uh, to champion the uh, the induction of players like Josh Gibson and Cool Papa Bell and Oscar Charleston and and Turkey Subtle and Turkey Stearns and Mule Subtles. He championed that, and within maybe five or six years of him getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, you started to see more African uh, more players from the Negro Leagues get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And that's because of what Ted Williams did. A lot of people don't know that. That's the reason why we know who Satchel Paige and, 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 and Oscar Charleston and all those players are. It's because of Ted Williams. He used his privilege. And that's what people don't understand. Allyship is not just using your privilege, speaking out for what is right. I mean, speaking out for what is right, speaking out for what is wrong. But it's basically educating yourself to being a better person. And a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't realize that. And I'll say this story and then I'm gonna shut up and we'll go on to our next topic. Uh, Cause I know you have some thoughts about the Brittany Renner thing. Um, there was the, you know, I think about my friend Kate, uh, Kate, you know, Kate, right? Nola, Nola, Nola gal, Nola, Nola yeah. gal. She's a true alley because when I needed help her and her 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 family always looked out for me uh when I, especially when i first moved down here but i know we've had conversations about privilege and about being an alley and i told her this story and i never told you this story it was somebody on saints twitter right i can tell the story now because this happened seven years ago so there's a place in New, uh, Memphis called Soul Fish Cafe, and I had dinner with these folks uh, that were here. They were uh, they were from Lafayette, I believe. Well, a few months later, I moved to New Orleans, and the, this woman who claims to be an alley for black people tells me on Twitter that her son is scared of me. Wow. Could you imagine, she never told me why. She was like, well, you ruined, she was like, you ruined uh, my rule for meeting Twitter people in person. I'm like, she really said this. I, 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 know, I know we're on, I know we're on audio, um, Stacy. Uh, I know we're on audio with Stacy. I know we are on audio, but I know your mouth is like a gasp right now. <laughs> it is. Like this woman literally said to me, she literally said to me that her son is scared of me. And then I broke her rule uh, for meeting Twitter people in person. For meeting Twitter people in person. But she was all, she's all Black Lives Matter and everything. She's part I mean, of the I mean, but what She's part of the DSA. That? But what did I tell you last week about this guy named Alex that I can talk about now because I don't no longer follow him. But this guy that I follow. Yeah, yeah, we talked Alex, about that. that was we talked yeah, about LA. that. Yeah, and he's supposed to be an ally, but he's upset because it's not going his way as far as this, how they're having COVID. But he says, I hope all the Democrats lose all their elections. I'm like, dude. And I was pissed. I was incensed. And, I, and we talked about this, like you said. 
there are a lot of people who consider themselves our allies, but they are so contradictory to that. You know, I thought he was a good guy because, like you said, you go on his page right now. If I see his page, it has BLM. He talks a good game. But when you sit there and say you hope they lose the election because the way they handle COVID, that was some of the dumbest things I've ever heard. This is not, like I said before, Joe Biden has doing everything he can to, to get people to get vaccinated, but you're ready to give up. And that was, that's what I'm saying. People are ready to give up after one year. And because he's not doing it in a quick enough time, they're not out of risk and They're not doing it. This stuff takes time. Like they're not doing the reason why they mad is because they're not doing it the way he's not doing it the way that they want him to do it. They want him to do it. They want people. Some of these people that want lockdowns and shit are the same people that have been traveling all over the motherfucking place. Think, think about that. Like, think about that. Like the same people that want these shutdowns and stuff. They want. They want. Uh, they want. They want shutdowns, but they and they've been all over the motherfucking place. They get mad because they they they're like, well, why in the world um, is a a COVID test is like a hundred dollars when in reality they have free place places where you can get COVID tests for free, but they've been but they can Google. Airbnbs and hotel rooms make it make sense, Stacy. Well, they got mad at what the, the vice president saying last week that you can Google it, and she wasn't being ugly. There was something on Google that you could easily find certain things, and she's right. If you could sit there and Google up your favorite song from 1982, you could sit there and look up certain things and whether the closest places to find COVID kits and things like that. People are just lazy. And like I said, the same guy got offended by shit like that. And I'm like, this is what's wrong. I mean, people like are looking for shit to be offended by. And it's like, do you want these people in office or do you want the people who were there before back in there? Because as I told him, it, it sounds like to me that they want they they want they want Trump them back. And it's like they, they want they want, them back. they want they want Trump back for the comedy relief. They want him back because guess what? he was comedy it was comedy to them but also at the same time at the same time their dicks get hard for dictatorships their dicks get about they're 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 no different from me when i see a woman dressed as black widow oh uh we didn't need to hear that we didn't need to hear that but you know you, you you know you see where I'm going with this, right? You so see where I'm going with this. You gotta make me say something about Jimmy Garofalo right now, so I'm not gonna even say Go, walk in your truth. This is a judgment. <laughs> this is a judgment free. You know this is a judgment about Jimmy Garofalo. Like, like I said, just I walk I'm, in your truth. Walk in your truth. I mean, I, because I, I, I put mean, out my page. I said, listen. I said, I'm a Cowboys fan, but listen, if you see me with a number 10 jersey this weekend, mind your business. That's all I'm saying. I ain't, I don't stop loving the Cowboys. I'm just into Jimmy G. I understand. I under, I totally, look, look, it's the same thing. I, I Like I said, it's no, they, they're no different. Those people that want the former guy back in, they're no damn different than me when I see a chick dressed as Black Widow. Their dicks get hard for author their dicks get hard for authoritarian government. 
That's the I, thing. I, I mean, I, oh, that, like I told him, I said, you're a white guy. You can say that because you can, you can sit there and live in your privilege and know no matter who's president. You're not going to, it's not going to affect you. Not gonna it's not going to affect you. That, that's exactly that what you I can hold you. out your vote. You can hold out your vote and you're not going to be affected by it. You know, exactly. and the thing is, and I know we talk about this all the time. It's the thing that I don't understand. It's like, okay, what did he do? He gave you comedy. He was an embarrassment. It's like, he didn't even show, I was so glad a year ago when, when Biden got inaugurated, I was so glad that he didn't come to that damn inauguration because he would have to face everybody that he talks shit about, he would have to face them in person. I was so glad he didn't go to that he, shit. He also knew if he showed up, that means he had missed defeat. He was never going to admit defeat ever. No, he was never going to admit. That's why he. That's why the insurrection happened because yep. he could not admit defeat. And the thing is, the extreme left and the extreme right are basically the same kind of people. The extreme yep. left hates the extreme right because they are them. They are them. They're basically a mirror of each other. Well, they put on an act that they're so, you know, they're so open and they're so this and we're- They're just, not open. They're, and they're our allies. And then, like you said, they try to tell us, oh, well, we know what's best for you. Black people come here. You don't know what you're doing by voting for Joe Biden. And I felt kind of said that, you know, they're very condescending people and they really are allies to us. They pretend they, they are, they, they are, they are like I said, yeah. they, they, their dicks get hard. Their dicks get hard about, um, their dicks get hard when it comes to Karl Marx, when it comes to Denmark and Finland. And they're like, well, why can't we be like Denmark and Finland? You guys want, a, you guys have a movement that is really <laughs> lily white and extremely male centered. You guys have, you know, you and you, you've heard me talk about this with Rob, with, with Rob, um, with, uh, about Rob and, you know, when, when Rob was on our podcast, I said the way that they treat with black people in that movement, they have to talk to the approved people. When they don't talk to the approved people, then there's a problem. Brie Newsom is nothing more than a Russian bot, which goes to my next point. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen the, uh, if you've seen the, uh, what was that? The, uh, the, the commercial with Gary Chambers, you, the one uh, with him smoking a joint. Mm-mm. Okay, so he's a guy that is, uh, he's from Baton Rouge. He ran for office uh, last year. Uh, he ran, he lost to uh, Karen, he lost in a runoff to Karen Carter-Peterson and Troy Carter. Well, he's also aligned with Sean King. Mm. Talcum X, okay? So, he decides to do a, 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 an ad with him smoking a joint and talking about the, the anti-marijuana laws in the state of Louisiana. 
Okay. Now, here's the thing. Here's here's the problem that I have with Gary Chambers and his ad. Years ago, I had interviewed um, a, a, a woman who ran as a Republican. This was a black woman named Charlotte Bergman. Charlotte Bergman had these signs that were uh, they were like they were on uh, on billboards. They had she had these slogans. They were on billboards. Well, in the black neighborhood, the neighborhood I lived in, she had Charlotte Bergman can win. If you went towards the neighborhood I grew up in, Orange Mound, predominantly black, she had Charlotte Bergman can whip. So in her mindset, in her campaign team's mindset, if you use a violent word like whip or beat, black people will gravitate to her. Black voters would gravitate to her. What? That's how <laughs> she thought. That's how she thought. That's how that team thought. And I thought about this in so many words with Gary Chambers and this ad that rent that that this internet ad. And I said, okay, so what was the point of this damn thing? Okay, one, I support legal weed. Number two. I know your history and who you're aligned with. You're aligned with that fucking scam artist, Sean King. Number three, a black man cannot get away with um, running for office and smoking a joint in an ad. Though a white person can do that shit, okay? You get what I'm saying? A black person can't do that shit. We could, I mean, we can't get away. I mean, as black people, we know this. There are certain and whoever, whoever, we like, can't get away with shit and we had to work harder than white people. We already know this. And, and where I'm going with this is this. What, what I'm saying in all of this is whoever greenlighted that shit should be fired. Mm. Whoever greenlighted that fucking ad should be fired. I'm not kidding. Because the rules that the rules that um, white politicians have, we don't have those same rules as you know. Black politicians don't have that those same rules, right? And if you do get caught in a scandal as a black politician, you better have all your T's and your I's dotted and crossed, because you will get caught up in it. Crazy. And I just think, I thought to myself, I'm like, how in the hell am I supposed to take this guy seriously? If he is the nominee for the, uh, the Democratic nominee, I will vote for him, but I can't take this guy seriously because he's not, he's not being serious. Like, okay, you decide to light a, a joint and an ad, and you actually believe that's gonna get voters, attract voters for you. I don't I don't buy that shit. I don't. And the reason why I don't buy it is because you can't you can't the same stuff, the stuff that John Fetterman can do, the stuff that John Fetterman can do, the stuff that Bernie Sanders can do, you can't do those things. Well, of course, like I said, as black people, we've said this. I mean, I remember when people were upset. Remember how people were upset about Barack Obama finding out he smoked weed. 
And he, yeah, I mean, but, but, but yeah, but, 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 but we in probably 15, 20 years at the, at that moment, but yeah, they were but, mad yeah, because also, he smoked yeah. in college. Yeah, I mean, he smoked in college. I mean, shoot, I smoke still. I still smoke weed. I smoke occasionally. But here's the thing. Obama didn't, Obama's not that stupid to go and do an ad that shows him smoking weed. You get what I'm, that, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm, I mean, you know this, like I said, as black people, we know our limitations, or at least most of us. Do. That was the whole point, going back kind of to Emmett Till. To have his mom have to sit here and tell him a child that when you go to Mississippi, you have to bow down to the white people and you have to do this and the other. That proves right there that this, we know as black people, we've been dealing with this forever that we had to count, uh, was it kowtow to yeah, every you had, yeah, you, you had to bend that. And like I said, there's certain things we know as black people we can't do. We can't sit there and do as, as um, without smoking weed. Because white people look at us and say thug and would never vote for us. A white person does it, they can get away with that shit. We can't. We know in situations, just like we talked about going back slightly, we were talking about this, uh, I think about the NFL, I think me and you were some, we were having a conversation about, oh, it was Shannon Sharp talking about how Tom Brady is able to get away with shit, but black quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, that Prescott can't get away with being unsportsmanlike. Like if Tom Brady can walk Absolutely. off the field and not shake somebody's hand and nobody blinks. That Prescott makes a joke about fans throwing stuff on the field. He gets fined twenty five thousand dollars. But Tom same Brady, way, with, same thing that happened with Cam Newton. Like Cam Newton was soaking after the the Broncos when when the Broncos beat the Panthers and everybody jumped on his ass. But I guarantee you, if Cam Newton had been white, it would have been a different story. Oh no! I mean, look at what Aaron Rodgers gets away with. Like somebody said that Antonio Brown gets suspended three games for lying about his COVID test. Should have been cut that day, but Aaron Rodgers does it and nothing happens. See, that's what I'm saying. Black people have always known that there has always been different lines for us and white people. White people can do certain things that we cannot do. You know, we cannot get away with certain things that white people know they can still do. You know, white people may not be able to, you know, white people still think a lot of them don't think they can walk up to you, talk to you any kind of way, talk crazy. And I've said this before, you can't talk to anybody any kind of way. The first of oh, all, yeah, folks will film oh, you. Yeah, it's going to be like, it's going to be like that whole fuck around, fuck around and fuck find around out. Fuck around and find out, yeah. You know, like I told, like, I, I like one of the things I like, to, the story I like to tell is like this guy called me the N-word and I ended up taking his ass to court and shutting his water thing down. <laughs> yes. Yes, when you fuck with me, it's a must that I fuck with you. Dr. Dre said that. Yeah, and it don't have to be violent. I don't have to get violent. I don't have to get violent with people. You don't have to get violent now. I don't have to do it. You can put that, you can, like I said, nowadays, instead of hitting somebody, the best way to ruin somebody's life is film them, get them on um, camera and put it on Twitter and Facebook and let people see these people and for the hour is that they'll know this person's name where they stay and where they work oh yes have a job. see 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 that's the thing like that's the thing that's the thing that i have to, that i have to, that i do now as i get older i just like to get i just like to be petty with people like it's it's one guy that this guy that lives in my complex older black dude he was a black panther right the dude hates me for some reason okay mainly because i stood up to him but the guy one time told me, Stacey, he was like, 
Well, I ain't never liked you, but your name is, uh, since you're named after Ron Sandberg, I like you. But he, he kind of like had like, these really like deep-seated, self-hating attitudes. He, like, he was a big Trumpster. Like, he was a big Trumpster. He was a black, a black, a former Black Panther. But I was not his type of black person. So every time he would see me, every time he sees me, he either goes the other way, or if I'm walking on the same sidewalk as he walks on, he'll stop and let me pass by. I'm like, dog, we both black, right? Right. But, you know, he's probably full of that hair on. So, you know, uh, you know, you just kind of like, you just have to point and laugh at people like that. So I know you had some thoughts about what Brittany Renner said when she confronted those people on that podcast. And uh, I would like to give you the floor for that because I know I have some things to say as well. But you you had a lot to say about what Brittany Renner said to those idiots on that podcast. Well, as I said on my timeline, I'm not that familiar with her, but I think I've seen some of her stuff in the past. And I thought, like I said, they were being misogynistic assholes. They were just, and, and I, like I said on my timeline, I bet money they probably, one of them or both of them or somebody hit on her, she turned them down. They don't sit there and try to generalize all women a certain way and all this other way. And, and she was pissed and she was right to getting their shit and she shut them down. And, and I think most of the people online, even the people that are not big fans of her, loved it. They was like, yeah, I agree. You know, there is a double standard, though, you know, that they can get on here and drag women and talk about women. She comes on their podcast, the least thing they can do is be respectful to her. Even if they don't agree with some of her tactics or whatever she does, you can at least be respectful. That was my thing with Savannah Guthrie, too, with, with the MVP today, but I digress. It's about respect. These dudes were disrespecting her because of her reputation. If you didn't respect, you know, and she got, and, and rightfully so, she got in this shit, she got them told, shut them down. It wasn't shit they could say. And I think most of Twitter, from what I seen, backed her up and said, yes, clapped and said, yes, get them. I mean, I, and I was one of those people. I knew what Brittany Renner was. She had, um, she basically got turned down by Colin Kaepernick. And she also had like she played it. She was played soccer at Jackson State. Like she's biracial, but she identifies herself as black. Um, the thing is that people tend to see her as a thought. They right. see her as this groupie hoe. And the problem I have with that is that beneath all whatever she does in her personal life. Whatever she does in her personal life, whatever she does in her personal life uh, or what her reputation, she is still a woman. She is still deserve. She is deserving of respect. She is deserving of respect. And the thing is that most people cannot see past the fact that she deserved and commanded respect. All they saw was what she was known for. And, and that's what pisses me off is that, so what? I mean, if that's how, I mean. And, and, but you know, those kind of people, those kind of podcasts, they're not like ours where we talk about real topics and we don't talk about, you know, black, you know, I don't come on and I'm not gonna diss black women 
or I'm not gonna, and you're not going to diss black men, but you're going to challenge black men to do better. And I'm going to challenge black women to do better, uh, to, to be better. And I basically black people to be better. But in their case, it's all about content and bashing. It's all about bashing, uh, uh, bashing people just to get people to listen to their shit. Because if you have like an intelligent conversation on that podcast, nobody's going to listen to it. Like if, if, if we were on here saying black women ain't shit, black men ain't shit, people, we would probably get like 10 or 10 or 15 million downloads. But because it's intelligent conversations and we talk about things that are happening in the world, people are not going to be quick to listen to this podcast because it doesn't feed into what a typical black podcast should be like. And I try to explain and I, and I'll shut up and, and I'll shut up. You can have a podcast, be a black podcaster and have intelligent conversations. You can have a podcast and not degrade somebody unless if they're deserving of it, like the former guy. I can agree with that. And I think that's and, the thing. And that it's I, like they get off on that stuff. They do, but I think that, like, I noticed that with a lot of these women, they listen to that relationship guy, and I don't even know his name. Kevin Samuels. Probably Kevin Samuels. And they listen to this guy, and I'm like, really? You listen to this guy basically drag black women. Why are you even giving him air? And if, if this is the same guy, too, to my knowledge, it's not involved in a relationship. So why are you giving somebody, you know, listening to somebody who is not in a relationship, give you relationship advice? I don't understand that. That's like listening to me talk about having children and I've never had a child. Make it make sense. <laughs> I'm not going to give out. I mean, out I, think you can talk about, I, th I think you can talk about relationships, even if you are single, but like having a kid, like, you know, kids or whatever. You may have the idea or whatever. You may have the, you may have the idea. You may have the, you may have the idea of you know. You may have an idea, but once you've been in them trenches, you don't have anything. You don't have your word. You don't have anything to stand on. You know, you don't have anything think, to stand on. But I think to me, you know, saying like this guy basically saying to women, oh well, you know, basically. Uh, saying, well, you don't have a man because you need this, this, and this. And I'm like, it's different for everybody. Why are you listening to somebody who's not? And to me, my opinion, I don't want to listen to anybody who, I want to listen to people who have been in long-term relationships who learn how to make it work. I'm not interested in listening to a man or a woman, for that matter, giving me relationship advice. And they have never been married, number one, or they can't, you know, they are divorced. And they're saying, well, this is what you need to look for. You know, like, like Steve Harvey, a lot of people jumped on Steve Harvey and thinking about coming. I said, This is true. Steve Harvey is telling women how to think like a man, dude. You've been married three times, you you know, and you're trying to tell a woman how to how to be like a man or think like them. Women, you know, don't need that kind of advice. I mean, at the time, I think it was it might be good advice, but you're trying to give a relationship advice. Most of your relationships have failed. To me, you need to sit this one out. I That's think all. the thing the thing that I think 
you know, to me, I think the most important for me, I think is that you can still give relationship advice. You can still give relationship advice uh, and you can tell people, I say, okay, this is what I learned from this relationship. And this is what you should do and what you should not do. However, telling someone why they don't have a man because of their past, I think that's foolish because you don't know that person. You may have an idea of why they don't have a man. You know, I was like, well, I know why I'm single because I'm a jackass to people. I already know this, but I can't say that about you or anybody else or our friend Crystal or any woman I've known over the years. I don't know why you guys are single. I don't, unless if you tell me and then I'm like, okay, you know, you know what you, you have an idea of what you want. You just haven't found that yet. You know, that's how, that's, that's, that's that's the way I look at it. Like if a woman says, comes up to me and asks me real Ryan, why am I single? I said, okay, here's what you, you know, you, if you sit here and tell me, well, Ryan, this is what happened with, this is what happened in this relationship. This is what happened in this, in that other relationship. And I say, okay, what I would tell a woman is this, take the good of everything that you learned in this relationship and that relationship and this relationship. And I say, once you find a combination of all those things, those good things that you had in those past relationships, and you find someone that fits your idea of what a man should be like in a relationship, then you will find that person. And it's the same way for me. Once I pick like, okay, this is what I liked about this girl I dated, this this woman I dated, or that woman I dated. Once I find a person that fits all of those, that checks out all those boxes, not just three out of four, then I may have found the one. But sometimes the one that we find is the person that is, you know, the placeholder for the one you get what i'm saying sometimes yeah. the person that we find is a placeholder or like a bridging the gap person it's sort of like the uh it's sort of like let's use football terminology it's like going it's like firing somebody uh firing somebody or trading for a coach and the coach that you trade for wins a super bowl with someone else's players you know this person the person before was a placeholder and then this other person took you to the next level took your life to the next level that's what you call finding the one it's not just um the one you you found the one at the moment but that's might not be the one that you might be with for the rest of your life if that makes sense you feel me I, I do. I think that the problem I think with a lot of folks is that people play games and that, yeah. like, you know, and I think that's a problem is I, at least my relationship perspective is so many men in my age, I'm getting hit on by men your age, men in their 30s, you know, late 20s, 30s now really are interested in me. And I'm like, I'm 50. Why do you want me? And they're like, oh, I just love all the women. And I had to find out nowadays, do they have a mommy complex? Because I'm like, is this going to turn? Are you going to start calling me mom and weird stuff like that? So you had to, it's just some weird dudes out here. But I think if I was given any relationship advice to anybody, I would just tell them to be yourself because that's going to help you uh, 
attract the right person. Be yourself. Don't try to change for anybody else because if you're yourself, the right person is going to notice and they're going to fit you and come along. It's when people try to be different and try to change themselves into pretzels to try to fit somebody else's perception of them is when folks mess up. A lot of these women sit here and lie and say, oh, I don't want kids or I can wait. And then they get married and then they decide they want kids. But the husband just told them, listen, I'm not ready to have kids or I don't want children and all this other stuff. And people don't talk. That's another thing I noticed about, about women and men in relationships. A lot of these relationships don't work because people don't talk to each other. They don't tell people what, and that's what I'm thinking. And when I start talking to a guy, I tell him straight up, these are my expectations. This is what I want. This is what and I you expect. have expect, you know, and you have, um, and you have expectations and that's what, because you know what you want. And I think one of the things, um, one of the things that, um, that is, uh, that is, that is always discussed that, that one thing I, I had discussed with someone, I said, most people, when you get older, you know, dating, dating at my age is not the same as dating when you're like when I'm when at your age because by the time you get to 50 by the, when you're 50 years old or whatever you have a knowledge of what you want you know I have a knowledge of what I want at my age however I have none of and no woman I have met have checked all of those boxes the thing is if your philosophy on dating is the same that it was if it if my philosophy on dating is at is the same at 50 as it was at 40 as it was at 30 then what then what am i going what if, why am i dating what is my purpose of dating this person because my mindset about dating has not changed in 20 years it will you know, eventually. I think. No, no, no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying in, in like rhetorically, oh, in general, yeah. in general mm -hmm. because a man, if you, if your think, if your thought process is still the same as when you were 17 or 27 or or 30, then you wasted. Then you shouldn't be in a relationship if your mindset and your mentality has not changed uh, when it comes to the opposite sex. When it comes to dating the opposite sex. Well, I think that that's the thing is that when you, you're right, when you get to this point in my age, you do know what you want. You know what you want. You know what you will and won't put up with. You know what you like. You know what you used to think was gross. I didn't, I wasn't attracted to bald men until I was in my 30s. <laughs> you know, those type of things. What you, your perception and your, your, it's just about men in, in general. It just shifts. And I think you do, but I really believe if you are yourself, that to me is the biggest thing. Because I don't want to attract somebody who wants to be with me because they think I'm a certain way. I want somebody who likes the fact that I'm a big football fan. And I want somebody to like the fact that, yes, I'm liberal. I care about certain things. I want somebody that is going to listen and appreciate me. And a lot of these dudes, and even at my age, they just want to fool around. Even at my age, you know, like I said, a lot of men that are interested in me are men your age. They're in their 30s. They're in their 20s. They might be early 40s. But men my age want women your age. They want younger wives now. They've been married before, and they might be looking for a younger model now. Since they've been married 25 years, divorced, and now they want to marry, but they want to marry somebody that's maybe 15 years younger than them. So, you know, it's just a, it's a, 
But to me, that's my my biggest dating advice. Be yourself. Don't try to change for anybody because that's when people make their mistakes is trying to be something, trying to, to turn themselves into to be the person that person wants you to be. Oh, absolutely. So, so now one last thing. I would like to have to I look. I would like to apologize, Deion, to Deion Sanders. I would like to apologize to Deion Sanders, and here's the reason why I want to apologize. When Deion Sanders took the job at Jackson State, I thought it was a gimmick. We both thought the same thing. We, we thought it was a gimmick. We all yep. thought it was a gimmick. Okay. When Patrick Ewing got hired at Georgetown, we all we all thought it was a gimmick. But Patrick Ewing got to the NCAA tournament. Okay. Deion Sanders has Jackson State football going in the right direction. He got the number one player to come to Jackson State over Florida State, okay? So that being said, I would like to apologize. I am terribly sorry for doubting you, Deion Sanders. My one of a guy who babysat me when I was a kid, one of the greatest players in the history of the University of Memphis basketball program, cannot fucking coach. He just cannot. Okay, if you had sat here, Stacy, and told me in 2014 that Memphis basketball would go, they're looking at eight years without an NCAA tournament. That's, think about this, eight years without an NCAA tournament. Okay, let me, let me, let me say that, let me say that, eight years without an NCAA tournament. Let me say that again. Okay, this program from 1951 to 2016, from 1951 to 2016, the longest we went without an NCAA tournament appearance. Um, at one point, it, the longest is 11, but since the tournament expanded, like in the modern, in the modern era, the longest we've gone without an NCAA tournament bid is this period now. We have not made, the University of Memphis has not made the NCAA tournament since 2014. They haven't made the NCAA tournament since 2014. The last time they went to the NCAA tournament, they were an eight seed. They lost to Virginia in the round of 32. Okay. From 1951 to 2016, every single coach that coached at Memphis made the NCAA tournament or an NIT tournament. Penny Hardaway is shaping up to be the first coach since Tick, well, Tick Price was here for, Tick Price was here two years. He was here two years. So he was here two years. So if Penny Hardaway misses the NCAA tournament, he will be the first coach, I think, in maybe 40 years and maybe 60 years to not make the NCAA tournament within his first three seasons. I, you know, I thought and it's that's just like, it, it, it's just like, I, I look, I, I, I was the one that said Penny Hardaway could coach. I was one that said, it's not a gimmick. He wants to, he wants to do well. He's going to get us to the NCAA tournament. We're going to win the AAC championship and everything. And it's like now, 
I was wrong. I got it wrong. I want him I gone. I just I want him. I, I want him gone, Stacy. It's frustrating. We lost a fucking two lane. Two lane. But you beat Alabama. <laughs> I, you know, I and Alabama and Alabama is getting better. Alabama's getting better. We I had a chance that. to. We had a chance to hire Andy Kennedy. And the only reason why they didn't hire Andy Kennedy is because of this cab driver incident in Cincinnati. That's the only reason why they didn't hire him. But he should have been the head coach, not Penny Hardaway. I don't think you would have told me that Penny Hardaway would have turned into such a douchebag because... I always liked Penny Hardaway. He seemed like a humble cat, but he seems like he has gotten better over the years and his attitude really has sucked and it has turned me off to him as a person and a coach. I really don't pay that much attention to Memphis basketball, but I'm just turned off. And I, now this video, I haven't watched the full video, but I'm seeing it trending. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, watch it. I'm going to watch it. It must be bad. It's, it, dude, it must be real bad because it's trending it, on Twitter. Shit trending on Twitter is either something really uh, good or really bad. Oh, it's it's really like right now, I'm looking at it now. Like right now on my Twitter, on my trending topics, and uh, I'm looking at it right now. I'm actually going to look at um show more right now. Let's see what's going on in sports. Oh, uh, we also got to give a Black Excellence Award to Kevin Ollie. He won his arbitration case. He get he's getting eleven million dollars. Wow! Black he he gets the Black Excellence Award for this week. He gets the Black Excellence eleven million dollars. <laughs> we all for black people getting money. Get the bag by all means necessary. You know that by Janet Jackson, we got to watch the Janet Jackson documentaries next weekend, so we got to watch that. As a family, we have to watch because I'm desperately. Definitely, I, I'm, desperate, I'm definitely going to watch it. down for it. I'm definitely going to watch it. But uh, right now on the, on the, on the trending topics of, uh, in, the sports, in the sports thing, um, Penny Hardaway is not, I mean, I'm sure in Memphis he's trending, but right now he's not trending right now on my, on, on my Twitter, on my Twitter feed. He was a pretty, few months ago. Yeah, a few, a few minutes up. ago, yes. A few minutes ago he was. But yeah, I just feel like now I'm just frustrated. It's like I never thought Memphis basketball would go eight years without an NCAA tournament. We're almost at nine years. That's the second longest drought since uh 1951 for the university of memphis in basketball with, with the ncaa tournament so i don't know what to say and uh, yeah it sounds like to me if it's what he's saying is true he ain't gonna be that long he's gonna be fired. he's not i mean he, he they're not gonna fire him he's gonna resign they're, they're not gonna fire him they're, they're, they're if anything they're gonna they're gonna he's gonna resign he's gonna resign and everything but folks, we are coming to the end of the midweek of the mid midweek show. Stacy, you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, I would like to say um, I hope that people get more informed 
in, in form when it comes to the Voting Rights Act and stop making assumptions. I've seen too many, I, I've taken the last couple of days having to sit here and try to inform people what this is about. They're thinking it's about voter ID. It is more than that. People, please get informed before you open your mouth on this topic. So many of you are opening your mouths, you're making a, you're talking all this crap, and you're not really knowing the issues. And then those who know the issues, a lot of them don't care. I had somebody on my Twitter page, a new follower, actually come to me and ask me, well, what really is the issue? And this person said, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, the white guy, not trying to be a smart aleck. He generally wanted to know what, what the issues were. I told him, he gets it. He said, okay, now I understand why. And he says, I think all Americans should have equal right to vote, should have problems with it. I said, good. I said, thank you for at least sitting up here and listening before judging. And that's the biggest thing I need, especially my white friends and, and people who got, you know, a white. Y'all need to sit back and know the issues before you say anything, open your mouth about it. Because a lot of people, I think, if they actually understood and knew the issues of what's really happening in this country, it might change a lot of minds. But it was shocking to me how many people actually don't know what the real issue is with voting rights. I agree. I mean, and, and, and then there are just some people that are just complete dumbasses. And it's yep. just like, I like, you know, you know, I talk about my neighbors, like, I would love to have those conversations with my neighbors. But you know, their, their whole thing is, oh, I'm gonna go to brothers and get me a brothers and get me a six pack. What? Why should I care about what you have to say, Ryan? <laughs> someone I will say this in closing, someone actually robbed the brothers by my house brothers market they went and ordered a box of chicken and then robbed the damn store yeah. <laughs> i was I like my, my, property, my, property, my property my property my property manager told me the story i say so you mean to tell me they robbed the store they ordered a box of chicken then robbed the store that's funny. really that's really but folks we'll be back next week as always, thank you for your time this time. As always, we'll see you down the road. Say goodnight, Stacey. Good night, Stacey. Remember, folks, get vaccinated, get boosted, and wear your mask. As always, we'll see you next week. Bye, y'all.